uh, I'm going to take some time just now to chat to uh, John and Louise and find out a bit more about them, their faith, and why following Jesus makes a difference in their lives. So, first of all, tell us a bit about your backgrounds. Uh, John, where are you from? Uh, not here. <laughs> uh, I come from a small place called Newport and Tay, uh, which is in the northeast coast of Fife in Scotland. Um, and I uh, lived there uh, my entire childhood, and then I moved to Glasgow to go to university. Stayed there, uh, and then arrived here about four years ago. Okay. Good. Mm -hmm. You still speak the language? Sorry? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Louise? Yeah. yeah, so I'm a local, I'm from Belfast and um, grew up here and went to university in Glasgow, um, which is obviously where our paths crossed, so yeah, that's my kind of brief Okay, background. well, Louise, keep going and tell us yeah. a bit about how you became a Christian okay. or you first understood about yeah. Jesus. So I was a very good little girl and I, I thought I was a very good little girl when I was little and I always went to church. I didn't grow up in what I would probably call a Christian home particularly. My dad is, was not and still is not a Christian. Um, my mom is. Um, and she had a positive influence in my life. Sorry, flip's sake, it's not a good time. <laughs> Start of the interview. <laughs> um, uh, she had a positive influence in my life and I was sent to church as a child and went to church and went through Sunday school and all those things and did my quiet times and thought I knew God, but um, really it was, wasn't until I was 13 um, and through Manifest, which um, was a monthly youth event um, where there was worship and, and um, a talk really geared towards young people that I really began to understand that um, journeying with Jesus was about a relationship. Um, and it was that Manifest that I gave my life to Jesus. As I would put it, my feet took me to the front. I didn't really decide, so I just, I would probably describe it as falling in love with Jesus and suddenly understanding that um, being a Christian was a relationship. So that's the start of my faith journey. Great. Well, keep going. Tell us a wee bit about how you, how you grew then from yeah. 13. What were some of the big influences? Okay. Yeah. So um, for me, the major place of growth was, was school um, and through the Christian union in school and through the real um, privilege of good friendships and good Christian friendships and people who were maybe a year or two years ahead of me on their Christian journey and age-wise as well in school, connecting with me and taking the time and making the effort to, um, I suppose that they probably wouldn't have called it disciple me and I probably wouldn't have called it that either, but essentially that's what it was. Um, people who weren't very much more experienced in faith, but who took me under their wing and, and mentored me, I guess. So um, that's where most of my early growth, my Christian growth happened was in school. Including, I believe, a connection with Windsor Baptist Church? Yes, because Kathy um, McMillan's father came to speak at our CU, so I'm sure that was a massively influential no moment. Doubt, no <laughs> doubt. I'll ask when he spoke on. Yeah. Very good. John, why did you become a Christian? Um, similar to Lisa, I was raised uh, in a home going to church. Um, my mum was a Christian, my dad wasn't. Uh, and probably slightly different um, in the sense that it was God was never. Um, we were never discouraged to go to church or anything like that, um, and uh, sent to SU camps, um, and at one of those I became a Christian when I was 15, um, and I had very good youth leaders um, in my church at home. Um, so yeah, I'd say my biggest kind of growth as a Christian was when I went to university and I was kind of faced with a choice, either live your life 
or don't. Um, and so, yeah, that was the big... But I was um, massively influenced uh, uh, by my good friend Ewan. Um, I, I would call him my mentor and still call him my mentor um, because he kept in contact with me. He was a leader at one of these SU camps and kept in contact with me and, and encouraged me and, um, and just every now and again checked up on me. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. So both of you have had slightly older Christians who have been key people in your lives. Mm -hmm. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And still do. Anything you want to say about that kind of relationship or role that you think is important? I think it's essential in any, um, yeah, for any Christian to have somebody in their life who can speak into it with authority and, um, and experience. Doesn't necessarily need to be somebody who's older, but um, it's, it's how I have taken the things that, have, that could have pulled me away from God and been, you know, pulled back to him by just somebody saying, yeah, I know how you feel. I've been there. This is what I found out. This is what I've learned. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Louise is nodding. I'm sure that's <laughs> true. Uh, I'll not ask whether you were drawn magnetically to our small group out of uh, similar recognition of somebody who would keep you accountable, but <laughs> let's, uh, we'll, we'll leave that one. But yeah. No, we do enjoy, I should say, in case I'm sounding a bit too familiar, I was told off last time for referring to somebody's grey hair at the front, so uh, I'm, I'm avoiding that studiously, but I think one of the things that strikes me about John and Louise is their engagement with church, so tell us a bit about that. Uh, why have you made very conscious decisions to throw yourself into church? It might seem an obvious thing in some ways, but I see something very... Definite. Like when you went to university, mm. what happened? Yeah. yeah, so I mean, um, I'm not sure where this came from. It, it might have been through a conversation or somebody who was wiser telling me what to do, quite likely. But I suppose when I went to uni, I was conscious that people often said, you know, D careful, don't church hop. And I think it's really easy as a student when you go away to university to just go around different churches, probably at other stages of your life too. Um, and so when I went to university, something that was just important for me was to find a church community where I could connect and put my roots down and get involved. And um, kind of for me, I set myself at a kind of a time limit on ter in terms of how long I would spend going around churches and um, definitely felt a leading towards the church that I ended up in, Findlay, in Glasgow, and, um, and did get involved there um, relatively quickly. Um, and yeah, I don't know if you want to... Yeah, I mean, again, it kind of goes back to that choice of um, who, who are you going to be, um, especially when you are let free as an adult and you've got to make these decisions for yourself. Um, again, same as Louise, I wasn't keen to church hop or, or go anywhere that um, I wasn't supposed to be or go where it was popular. Um, uh, so, yeah, um, we ended up in the same church. Um, me slightly earlier, but... And I think something that um, I really probably grew in me in my time in Glasgow, I mean, I left the church here where I was involved in church at home as well and um, went to a new place and that can always be difficult and challenging when you go to a new place or a season in your life changes. Um, and I suppose for me, getting involved is, I guess, for me, how I think you, I can become part of the fabric of a place. And I think 
um, for me as well, and for both of us, I think it's really key to um, our faith, is to be involved and to, to get involved and to use our gifts. And I think I'm really grateful when I look back at my experience of church in Finlay. They always had a very healthy attitude of um, training up to release out because there were many students in Glasgow, and so the church congregation was quite transient at times. Um, and I'm grateful for the time I had there where I did grow in lots of ways and in lots of, I think they let me develop some of my skills and some of my, probably my personality in a way that allowed me to learn how to use those to serve God a little, so. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think one of the, the strong influences on us is that we, when we left Glasgow, uh, um, we took a year out um, and went traveling for a year. Um, and part of that meant that we did not get regular uh, church attendance or, or teaching or anything like that. And something that we kind of we were talking about it when we came back was something that we really felt is that whenever we got into a church, we wanted to serve, and we felt that that was just something that was essential to to being a part of a church, being part of a community. It's something that it's you can't go to a church and constantly take. Um, you just you, you need to give something back. You need to be a part of it to be a fabric of it. You know, and I think that was a really strong influence for both of us. Um, yeah. Um, and what are the things about involvement in church that you feel God has equipped you or put in your hearts? What are the things that you get excited about? Uh, well, we're both involved in the youth ministry mm. um, in transit. Um, youth work is something that we both have a real passion for. Um, uh, and that's something that was, we were. Uh, approached by Mark <laughs> pretty soon into um, coming to, starting to come to Windsor regularly. Um, and yeah, but something else is also prayer ministry. Um, I'll let you. Yeah, know. tell us a bit about <laughs> prayer ministry. Um, prayer ministry is it's relatively new to me. Um, it's, um, Louise has been doing a bit longer than I have, but through um, Summer Madness, um, when we first moved to Northern Ireland, we started attending Summer Madness as part of the prayer team. Uh, and I'll be honest, when I went in, I was thinking, no, this is, somebody else does this kind of stuff, not me. Um, and but the, the training session that you attend before you go there, the, they, they tell you, well, it's not about you. Um, and you're lovingly described as a tube. Um, a tube, um, basically, you are a tube for God to communicate with whoever you're praying for. Okay. So it's not you that's, that has all the responsibility, you're just there, and you just need to be there and willing. Okay, great. I don't want to turn this into a plug for prayer ministry, but we're, you know, we can sometimes look at what happens at the front and think, well, that's only for certain people. Louise, anything about what you see as the offer of prayer ministry that mm. is important? Yeah, I mean, I had never had any experience of prayer ministry growing up as a, in my home church or at any stage during my sort of teenage years until I went to Summer Madness. It's really probably where I was introduced to it and Manifest would have had prayer ministry too. So I suppose for me, I had, I mean, I had just accessed that myself before, not particularly over major issues, but just had found it helpful and encouraging. And, um, and I was thinking today, why did I get involved in prayer ministry at Summer Madness? I don't really know why I did. I think I just uh, applied for the team years and years and years ago and uh, I've kind of been on it, I've been there since, and 
Um, but for me, prayer ministry or being involved in that, and what I mean by prayer ministry is simply just being available to pray with people. It can happen in a pew and it can happen at the front. It can happen in your small group among your friends. But um, for me, it's just, um, and the place I've done it the most probably is Summer Madness. And for me there, it's just the privilege of standing with people as, as God works in their lives. And um, just that absolute privilege of being, of being there and present as, as, as God communicates. And um, it's just such an encouragement um, as a receiver. And maybe we'll share a little bit more about that later. But um, as a receiver of prayer ministry um, and, and as someone involved in, in, in delivering prayer mm. ministry. I suppose just to add to that is even though we are quite, we've been doing prayer ministry for, together for years um, and we're involved in it here in, in Windsor, um, we, still, we still find it incredibly difficult to go for prayer ministry. It's not an easy thing to accept that you need prayer. And yeah, I suppose I'd just like to say that if you're thinking, oh, it's not for me, it'll never be for me, yeah, God might say something different, you know, and, and, and as Louise said, you know, move your feet, you know, so, um, yeah. So, uh, coming back to the kind of course of your big story, as you said, you went off to study in Glasgow, uh, presume you got married at some point, and then you went off travelling. <laughs> uh, we'll just take that one for granted. Uh, yeah. And you came to Belfast. How does God speak to you, guide you? It's, I suppose, related to the prayer question, mm. but what does that look like as a follower of Jesus? I guess, um, I guess, in some senses, it's a really simple answer. You know, you live your life daily, just walking with God and um, seeking Him and praying. And for us, the whole moving away from Glasgow thing was um, really just, I can't describe it anything more than just a sense that God was, was saying to us, your time in Glasgow is coming to a close. And there was no reason. And um, we loved Glasgow. We had an amazing church family there, friendships there, jobs. Um, great how, place we live. We loved it. Absolutely loved Glasgow. But just that God, there's a great book by Bill Hybels, The Power of a Whisper. I think it's called The Power of a Whisper. Um, and it's just about that still quiet voice of God and, and, and listening and, and hearing that. And I think for much of our journey, or certainly for me personally anyway, often it's just been this still quiet voice of God um, and his gentle prod and just trusting that God has the future in, in his hands. And as you pray through different things, um, he will guide us. And uh, that sounds, there's just, there's no clear, there's no formula, is there, for yeah. God's will? But um, certainly a peace is, is a really key thing. Um, for me, it, it's kind of it's quite practical. It's, it's about actually acting on these promptings. Um, about, because you, you will never see God work through you if you not, do not act, if you do not act on what you think God is saying. Um, and that for me, I mean, there's a great story that Pete Gregg from 24-7 Prayer tells about he thought that God asked him to go to a restaurant and he went to this restaurant and he sat in this restaurant and ordered a cup of coffee and thinking the waitress was coming across and saying, right, she's going to ask about Jesus and, and she didn't, you know, and he kind of went back and he was all disappointed and, but then he realized, you know, that he, he felt that God was looking down at him, laughing at him, going, why is he going to that restaurant? I didn't tell him to go to that restaurant. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to send anybody to him to ask about Jesus, but behind all of that, God was lovingly laughing and just so pleased that Pete had gone to the restaurant because he thought that God had asked him to go to the restaurant and he was acting on God. And that to me is kind of, you, you, you need to, 
experiment in a sense. You need to go and do some of the things that you think that God is asking you to do because, and some of them will be what God wants to do, but some of them won't as well. So it's about discerning God's will. So as you think about where you are in that restaurant story in a way, mm-hmm. you know, you've come to Belfast, how has it worked out? <laughs> Terribly. <laughs> I'm not joking. Uh, get comfortable. <laughs> um, when we when we left Glasgow, we had this. We we decided to go to Belfast from Glasgow, going east. So we um, we went via India and Southeast Asia and Australia and America, and uh, we were coming back um, to Northern Ireland, thinking. Uh, that we were going to land, we were going to walk into jobs, we were going to uh, buy a house, you know, and everything would be hunky-dory and absolutely fantastic. Within, we were saying, we were, at least, we were giving ourselves six months, weren't we? Yeah. yeah, plenty of time. Plenty of time, yeah. Yeah. And what was the reality? Uh, we came back to no jobs. Um, <laughs> Louise managed to get some local work within a couple of months. Uh, but to this day, I still haven't been able to get work here in Northern Ireland. Um, we have moved into a house, which is great. Um, but it's been, I'm just saying this, it's been the four hardest years of our marriage. So do you have this sense then of, of God's pleasure at your obedience, even though the job hasn't materialized, or you've had this lifestyle of having to commute across to Scotland and England? I, I think um, one, there's, God has taught us so much, as he always does when life is difficult. Um, but there's so much that he has taught us, and one of the things is that he is always good. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I suppose you should just tell some of our story. Um, we arrived back here uh, February 2012. Um, and I started working away in June 2012. Um, and we said, uh, it was a six month contract and we thought six months, that'll be it. Um, it came I went for interviews for work here. Um, I, uh, we prayed uh, for work here, um, but nothing ever did come from that. Um, we were living in a place that we didn't really enjoy living. Um, and yeah, it was, it was hard. I was away five days a week and it was, desperately tiring at times. Um, my work involves very long days uh, and quite aggressive working practices. That's probably the best way of describing it. Um, and yeah, that's, that was hard to, to come back here at the weekends uh, when I'm not from here. I didn't go to school here. Um, I don't have any family here. I have a few friends here, but um, that was quite difficult to deal with. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think that um, one of the things 
that's amazing is that through all the ups and downs and, and lots of different things, um, is um, the sense of peace that we were, that this phrase, when we were thinking about this and the, God just, I felt God, a sense of this phrase, like I have you where I want you. And I think even sometimes, you know, we left Glasgow thinking you pray about it and you ask for God's direction and you think, wow, God only ever takes you somewhere better. You know, God's not going to take us backwards. He's going to take us forwards. He's going to take us to something better. So we're excited. You know, who knows what Northern Ireland holds. It'll be full of great things. And then of course the, the reality on the surface for us initially really was very difficult and not like that at all. But this sense that as we prayed and we took back to God, the question we'd ask in Glasgow, like, are we in the right place? Did we mishear you? Should we be still in Glasgow? Are we supposed to be in Australia? That was just a wee check, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> um, uh, you know, God always, the sense was always, no, I have you where I want you. And um, I think that's an amazing thing about our God and about our faith is that we can, um, or certainly for me, is that even in the midst of, of, um, of pain or of illness or of whatever, unanswered prayer, all those different things, challenges, that we can have a real peace that we are where God wants us to be. And that doesn't necessarily mean that life is, is really straightforward. And I think um, it's great when it is. And sometimes we have seasons where life is straightforward and it's wonderful. And probably our Glasgow season was a straightforward season for us. It was a really, um, really happy, happy time full of lots of good things. Um, but um, God has been with us in all of this too and, um, and has, has deepened our faith as he always does and has taught us that he is good. And, um, I know I've, I've shared this already one time when I led one of the services, but um, I recently read that the, the meaning of blessed is God's active presence and involvement in our lives. And I just think, wow, I am so blessed. It doesn't, it's not about what is happening or what is going on or how I feel, but I am so blessed because God is active and present in my life. And he has been all the way through all, all the ups and downs for us. And um, that has been amazing. And yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's got us through, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, so we kind of got to the point where we were having a, a pretty tough year. Um, yeah. Um, it's difficult to be vulnerable, yeah. isn't it? So I just let's yeah, be yeah. upfront about that. It's um, difficult to be vulnerable. Um, I, I mean, I, I suffered from um, depression, anxiety, probably for at least a year before I realized and was actually diagnosed. Um, so this all happened when I was working away five days a week and got to the point where we just, where we, we said that enough is enough and just felt, again, kind of felt God saying to stop. So I, I left my job and came back to Northern Ireland and um, with the, the hope, um, I suppose, that, that God would provide a job here. Um, uh, which, you know, again, I, I went for interviews, including a job that was basically the same job I did when we lived in Scotland. And kind of went into it thinking, I wouldn't need any training, wouldn't need any kind of, you know, surely this is it. And we said, we kind of believed that this was it. Um, and I didn't get the job, um, uh, which was, and it wasn't just that job. There was about three jobs that I went for that were similarly suited for. Um, and again, I didn't, get the, I didn't get any of them. And so I remember taking the phone call saying I didn't get the job and just putting the phone down and just going, what's going on? And it kind of like, if you want to associate it with that, that coffee shop story, is that there was Pete Gregg sitting in the, the coffee shop thinking, why is nobody coming to ask me about Jesus? Um, you know, I was kind of thinking, well, why? 
why did why did we move here? Why why are we here? You know, um, because at that point, uh, that was about five months in for me leaving my job. It got at the point then when I needed to go back to work, and the only option was to work away again. So, so that was. Difficult. Thank you for mm -hmm. telling us the uh, bad news as well as the you know, mm -hmm. vulnerable stuff too. Appreciate that. Uh, you, your your phrase, God saying, "I have you where." I want you to be, mm -hmm. and your reference to God being good all the time, is that what it still looks like? Uh, can, can you say with a degree of confidence, even though you're back to commuting mm -hmm. across the water? Yeah, uh, I mean, after that, um, probably about six months after that, um, I was working away, uh, and my job can be very fluid. I was working in Wales at that time, um, and I was essentially let go from my job. Um, fortunate enough to pick up a job straight after that. Um, but it wasn't long after that that Louise said one night that she, she there was that phrase, I have you where I want you. Um, and we just felt that we, at that point, God wasn't saying to us to pray specifically for work for me back home um, and that was but it wasn't it wasn't a case of that um, we weren't supposed to be here it was it's about because we were praying up to then you know provide for work back home provide work back home um, but it was a peace wasn't it really um, yeah, I think God sometimes just asks us to be content Probably shouldn't say it out loud, and maybe send me a test. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, he does. He sometimes asks us to be content with where we are, and I think that's the feeling we got about the work situation, and mm -hmm. it's still what we feel about the work situation now. Um, God, this is what God has given us for this season, and sometimes God gives you things that you wouldn't have liked to have asked for, or you would prefer not to have, but um, it, sometimes he just, he asks us. But that's uh, back to the peace of walking mm -hmm. with God and knowing that he is there, and he goes before us, and he journeys with us, and he follows behind us, and he is so good. And so we can trust him. Yeah. Um, and we don't have to be afraid. I think that's something else I've been learning. It's so tempting to be afraid when we, when we let God lead us. We think, oh, no, and he's going to send some horrendous thing um, to challenge us. And we don't need to be afraid of God. He's not that kind of God. Um, yeah. He is so good and he's so kind. Um, not that that means circumstances are easy, but he is so good and he's so kind. Mm. Yeah. There's a little person over here who's been very content. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> allowing you to chat away. She's in very capable As hands. you think about how we can pray for you, think about your family, what, what would you like to say? Or anything else you want to add before we uh, hear a scream from Hannah? I suppose I'd like to share a verse, if that's all right. Um, just because we've talked quite a lot tonight, I think, about direction and God's guidance and leading. And, a, and I suppose for us, a big part of the last, well, our whole journey together has been about asking God where he wants us. And going there, even though, to be honest, by the way, I have no idea why he brought us back to Northern Ireland. That's another thing God does. He sometimes doesn't reveal necessarily anything massively purposeful about what he is doing. We don't always know, um, and that doesn't matter. But um, there's a wonderful passage in Psalm 19, and I'm reading it from the message because I, I find the language really helpful. But it says, the revelation of God is whole and pull our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. God's reputation is 24 karat gold with a lifetime guarantee. 
the desires of God are accurate down to the nth degree. And I just absolutely love um, that God is so trustworthy and um, he will guide us um, through whatever, whatever we journey. And I suppose you're asking what our prayer would be. And we were driving here tonight and I saw the marathon stuff all set up at, at Ormo Park. And I thought, yeah, like, like, I know it's a very common analogy, but the, the Christian life is a bit like a, a marathon and we're running it. So it was my prayer for us um, would be that we would continue to run the race with perseverance as we're called to and that we would finish well um, and that God would keep leading us and guiding us, that mm -hmm. we'd still be sensitive to him in the future. Mm -hmm. Do you want to add anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for telling us uh, some of the story so far. Really appreciate both your engagement in the life of this church and in our small group and keeping us uh, served with prayer ministry and youth ministry and, and the people you are. Uh, you picked a hymn song. In case you can't remember it, my just felt your thankfulness. Mm -hmm. John, why did you choose this one? Um, it was um, the reason we chose it. First of all, it was one of the it was the first song we had play at our wedding. Um, but also, um, there's a, a line in it where every every prom promise is enough for every step I take. And I just think the words of it, every time we hear it sung, because obviously it's emotional, you have a song at your wedding, it's all very emotional when you hear it again, but I mean, every time I hear that song sung and I sing it, I just thank God, I do thank God, because he mm -hmm. is enough for every step we take and um, mm -hmm. for every day we have on earth is given by the king is the mm -hmm. end of the song as well. And um, I just think mm -hmm. it's just so true and it's a good reminder. Yeah. And just kind of, we were <laughs> looking at each other after David's sermon this morning when he said that the belief that God is able Mm. not the belief that God will. That is something that's echoed through our marriage, our story, and will continue to. And it's something that, is, that has produced miracles and it's also produced heartache. And, um, but it's a promise from God that he is able and he can do um, so much.